0: This episode of The Most Innovative Companies is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. Welcome to Most Innovative Companies. I'm your host, Yasmin Gagne, joined as always by my producer, Josh Christensen. Hey, Yas. Josh, if you were a creator, like if you were a YouTuber, mm. what would be your shtick?
1: We've had this conversation before, but I do think it changes. I've talked before about cocktail talk, being like a, a mixologist and <laughs> making cocktails. That's the most on...
0: millennial thing ever. Oh, Remember yeah. when like in the 2000s? I mean, I know, I don't even drink, but you'd be like I want a Mai Tai or whatever. <laughs> this guy would spend like 20 minutes doing just making stuff. a Mai tai. Yeah. yeah, no,
1: that's the kind of thing. But I do like cocktails. I think that's fun. But okay. I think I'm over that now. I think I would be, I mean, I'm a big musical theater nerd as we've discussed i'd probably would make you do, like, like
0: that snl audition tick tick tock
1: no that that tick tock is rough. i hope that guy's doing okay Absolutely not that guy could drag so hard for good reason i know overall but he was no, just a guy trying no i think i would just talk though about like musical theater and right, theater and right. stuff that i see it's like more in like a, a like an arts criticism sort mm-hmm. of
0: I'd be an ASMR person.
1: There you go. Also, considering the fact that we are technically creators, because we <laughs> we're making uh, content right now, yeah. what would you do? We have no discernible <laughs> skills. Anyways, <laughs> like, rate, and subscribe to <laughs> most innovative companies.
0: So we have one of the most successful creators of all time on the show today. Mm-hmm. That's Lily Singh. She started out on YouTube. She had a talk show. She's got a movie coming up.
1: A production company. She's doing a production company.
0: So let's get right into it with her. You started off, I mean, you're one of the most famous creators out there. You really did everything yourself at the beginning. Is it easier or harder to be a creator now?
2: Ooh... It's different. I mean, here's the reality is, like, there's things I loved about creating on my own. For those of you watching, you don't know this, but before you watch this clip, I actually walked into the sound booth, and I, like, tried adjusting the light, and I moved the camera, and I moved the knob over here, and I was like, I'm going to fix the sound, and I'm going to move the mic, and I—so, like, I have a thorough understanding of every part of the creation process, um, because I did it all myself. I was my own gaffer, Mm -hmm. my own videographer, my own writer, my own editor, my own everything, and that was very fun, but it was also a lot of stress, and it was a lot of me being good at a lot of things, but excellent— at none of them. And as now that I create, when I go into a set, I think I'm actually able to like fully sit in one job, and one part of creation, because I can fully dive into like my job is now to be this character, to say these lines, to be in this world. I don't have to worry about the lighting and the props and all these other things. It stresses out the control freak in me, but it actually really, really is good for the creator in me.
1: Did it take you a while to be able to just sit in one job? Like, when you first moved out of that, I'm doing everything role. Like, how long did it take you to adjust?
2: It's a learning process. I still, (laughs) as you can see when I walked into the sound booth, it is still something that I'm like, even on shows right now, when I'm on set for a show or movie, I'm like, hey, guys, I just want to double check this prop. And the prop guy is like, we got it. Don't worry, we know. I'm like, right, right, right. This is your job. You know more than me. And I, I just have this compulsion and... I feel bad sometimes because I think sometimes it may come across a little bit of like I'm trying to micromanage, but it is because so much of my journey has been me wearing all these hats. But I will say one of the reasons I give myself grace is I've had more than one—I'm going to pat myself on the back for a second. I've had more than one director approach me on a set and say, I've never— worked with someone who has such a thorough understanding of editing and what this will look like once it's edited. Because I'm so used to doing everything, I think I am actually better suited to do one job because, like, I can fully respect what this editor is going to have to do to fix this thing that I just messed up. And I know it's better for me to do it again because I know what that edit feels like. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of talent's like, they'll fix it in post. I'm like, I actually know they can't fix this in post. So, like, (laughs) I'm editing in my brain as I'm acting.
0: Do you think you could be a TikToker today? Like, if you were just up and coming right now? No. I think
2: I would try, my <laughs> How's darn How's your best. dance skills? <laughs> I like short-form content. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love making stuff for Instagram, and I love making things for YouTube. TikTok is just a little too short-form for me. Short. I respect yeah. it in that it's, like, one joke, whatever, and I think it's really cool, and I laugh at a lot of TikToks. But me, myself, I don't know if I'd be—I don't know. I really don't know if I'd be able to execute today if I was starting today.
0: Yeah. I'm curious, you know, you— obviously started out doing everything on your own. How have you found collaborators? And do you collaborate with the same people over and over again? Or are you sort of always changing?
2: So when I was making YouTube videos, collaborations was like the name of the game. It was like, yo, we got to collab together. The collabs were everything. I feel like now less and less people collab. <laughs> I feel like it's like mm-hmm. a dying a dying art form. But I was always a very prepared person. I'm a proud type A personality. I would always have a full mm-hmm. script, all the props ready, ready to go. And then sometimes i collab with people and be like, all right, should we just, like, figure it out and do a challenge? And I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> but I've always been very prepared. Listen, I... What I do really enjoy, I will say, right now, because I'm writing longer-form things and because I'm working in TV and film, and like I said, one is not better than the other. I still really love content online. It's just I'm really enjoying, like I said, sitting in things more, collaborating now with someone. Like, I just co-wrote my first feature, and I did it alongside other writers. It's really nice to say, oh, we're going to spend the next month— cracking the story as opposed to like, all right, in the next hour, we're going to have to figure this out, shoot (laughs) it, edit it, post it, shoot some thumbnails, which is like a different machine. But I don't know. I'm just enjoying making more mistakes during the creation process. On YouTube, it was like you write the thing. You don't workshop it that much. You do it, at least in my experience, you do it and you post it. Now I'm like, oh, we wrote this whole scene that we spent hours working on. We're scrapping it. We're scrapping it because Mm -hmm. it's not fully capturing what we want to say. It's like more of a like you're building a baby.
0: What was the moment, you know, when you were making YouTube videos where you were like, you know what, I think I can make this transition to film and TV?
2: Yeah, I never really even thought about it that way, to be honest. I never thought of like, okay, I was doing YouTube and now I'm ready to do TV film. I got the opportunity of the late night show. And that was really exciting for me because who doesn't want their own show? (laughs) And I stepped into this world and it was through the late night show that I really learned about, for lack of better term, traditional media. I remember the first time I walked onto set, someone came up to me and they're like, hey, I'm your script supervisor. And as soon as they walked away, I was like, what's a script supervisor? Like, (laughs) what does this person do? There's 100 people here. I don't know what they do. And then I had to, like, hit certain marks and listen to certain cues. And it was, like, such a steep learning curve. But I really enjoyed The fact that I was working with so many people that were all Mm -hmm. on the same page and had the same mission. And so I think naturally, as I've progressed in this industry, I've enjoyed being on larger sets. Not to say I don't really enjoy making an IG reel in my house by myself as well, but it's just a different part of my brain, you know? Do you have a favorite
0: guest from your late night show? Ooh, that's a really good question. Do you have a least
2: favorite guest? Ooh, that's a better question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Name names.
2: (laughs) I'm going to answer one of those questions. Um, (laughs) I had a lot of guests that I really, really... Okay, so there's... A guest that comes to mind where I just recall having the best time with them. I'm going to say the most fun guest for me to talk to that I just like laughed and laughed. And actually we had to edit it so immensely because it was just <laughs> laughing fits of me and this person. To, they were on both seasons. Yeah. Tracy Ellis Ross. Oh. I feel like when yeah. I talk I to her, I have mm-hmm. the best time.
1: Tracy was just at Fast Company Innovation Festival on the main stage this past year, and she is just at an 11 in the best way, mm-hmm. with just the velocity of jokes and like she's incredible energy. Yeah, she's
2: absolutely amazing. Um, otherwise, I'll give you one more from a more like spiritual. Meant a lot to me. My mm-hmm. final guest of season one was Malala. And that's Aww. when yeah. you're like, yeah. okay, I'm in the presence of, like, an actual superhero right now. And fun fact, Malala posted her first selfie ever, and it was with me.
1: So do you have a Nobel Peace Prize now by association? So, so now, <laughs> yeah,
2: curiously, I also have a Nobel Peace the Prize. Nobel Peace
1: <laughs> Prize, Exactly. <laughs>
0: It's so funny. I have a couple of mutual friends with Malala.
2: Okay, flex. Wait, okay, what? No big I'm deal. sorry, what? No big deal, <laughs> whatever. Like,
1: we've been doing this podcast for six months. I swear, at least once a month, Yaz says something to me where I just go,
0: what?
2: Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, damn. What is your life? Subtle <laughs> flex. Well, look,
0: Malala is like goals for me to have on this podcast, but I've been like, guys, what is she like? Like to my friend Shilpa, I'm like,
2: what is Malala She's like? She's so cool.
0: And they were like, she's super normal. She's always like, hey, dude, I have a hot
2: husband. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And you know what another thing is? So I call her and her husband mom and dad, and they know this. I DM DM them like, mom and dad. (laughs) But I will say what took me aback is like, I think we all have this conception of what we think someone like Malala is going to be like. Like, 100%. Literally like faced fear in the face, like huge Mm -hmm. advocate of girls' education. You believe she's going to be super serious and super like. Totally. And then she's just like cracking jokes. And she's just, like, a normal gr- girl. And you're just like, oh, wow. Like, it really it's actually quite meaningful to remind us all that, like, all of these people that do amazing things, they are just normal people like us. Yeah, they're humans. So I want to talk a little bit about your production company. Please. Let's what inspired it. you to start it? When did you start it? Why? Yeah, I started. Uh, so I have a company called Unicorn Island and it has a production arm, Unicorn Island Productions and a nonprofit arm, which is Unicorn Island Fund. I just love unicorns so much. And I'm an adult and I can name my company whenever <laughs> I want. Um, <laughs> and so I started Unicorn Island Productions uh, a few years ago, you know, right in time for us to go into COVID and then a strike. Always good. Yeah, exactly. But the reason I started it was because, listen, I think throughout my career, I've gotten asked a lot, like, what do you do? Like, what is, how would you define your job? And it's been a struggle for me because I've gone from, like, YouTuber to late night show host, to actress, to writer. And I think really what I am at heart is a storyteller. I think I love telling stories and I find different mediums and different canvases to do so. And Unicorn Island Productions is just a natural evolution of my desire to storytell. Our mandate is simple. It's making stories that look like the real world. And so it is quite often making stories that highlight, well, it's always making stories that highlight underrepresented voices. More and more, that's becoming South Asian voices and ensuring that women are at the center of our stories.
0: Well, that's good because I am both of those. Yes, exactly.
2: I'm just trying to make things where I'm like, dude, I wish this existed when I was little. I think it's important that Diverse stories are told by diverse people, and I think their experiences should be authentic. So often in the creation, like, just to keep it 100 with you, so often in this industry, I have an idea, and then I go into a meeting with 10 other people that perhaps don't have the same life experiences as me or are not from the same culture, and then I get a gang of notes and a gang of ideas, which I respect, but I'm also just like... There needs to be space for people to tell their own stories. And I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that my production company has now solved that and now I never go into a meeting and I never have to take notes. That's not true. But at least now I can be at the table advocating for why certain stories should be told a certain way. You know, I feel like I have more of a voice now in that process. It's so
0: funny, you know, I interviewed Rishi Rajani from Hillman Grad Productions yeah, a while course. ago. Yeah, of course. I love Rishi. Love and this um, we were joking about, he was like, every time a brown person pitches something, his studio is like, do you have an idea for like an arranged marriage mm-hmm. kind of rom-com?
2: Yeah. Well, this is the thing that <laughs> like, I also have discovered. hmm Right now, Hollywood cannot comprehend a South Asian person unless it is through the lens of their parents. And Mm -hmm. as someone who made content dressing up as my parents, I understand that family's a big big part of south asian culture so i understand that but i've noticed that every time i'm trying to make a show that's like about siblings or is about just a girl and her relationship or a girl at work the note is consistently okay but what about her family like are her parents there do her, what do her parents think about this so i think there's just like it's the current struggle is being able to form full south asian characters that are not tied to this trope of like strict parents
0: yeah i 100% buy that it's so funny i remember in um College. I was dating this guy, and I'm half white, half uh, Indian and Pakistani. So you were half allowed
2: to date him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was half allowed to date him. He was Jewish. Um, I'm Muslim, and I remember he was like, "How would your dad feel about this relationship?" And I was like, "Dog, my dad's from Vermont. My dad's <laughs> not gonna fuck about this relationship. <laughs> yeah. Like, sure. what do you think? You know? like, do you think my parents are like these like strict brown people? <laughs> right. or, like But then
2: I also get why do you think that because sometimes it is true. Like sometimes I'll be like, my parents are so liberal, and then be like, oh, so they let you do. I don't and I was like, no. No. There's <laughs> like a different bar of measurement. But what I'm trying to say is that like when we talk about representation, in my opinion, true representation means you can have all types of stories. You know, you can have a story that pushes the needle for South Asians, is like so about history is important. And then you can have something like never have I ever, which like, yo, she just wants to have sex in high school. And that is okay. Because mm-hmm. that's what true representation is. <laughs>
1: and my take on it <laughs> <laughs>
2: I do often joke, though, I'm
0: like, you know how true representation or true equality is when, like, people of color are allowed to fail? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when I look at politics, I'm like, <laughs> we have Nikki Haley, we have Bobby Jindal. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby! Yeah, it's
2: like, Bobby! we're allowed to fail, and it's also when true representation is when someone sitting at home that is South Asian doesn't feel like this show with South Asians has to replicate every mm-hmm. life experience they had, and they're okay with that. Because I think right totally. now what's happening... Happening is everything that is minority is so heavily scrutinized because every minority group is looking to this one thing or these two things to represent all of us. And that's just never going to happen.
1: I did an interview a couple years ago with a lawyer from the Trans Legal Defense Fund, and he <laughs> said, he's like, all I want to do is be mediocre and trans. Yeah, yeah. Is that, <laughs> yeah, word,
2: is facts, that so much
1: to ask? Because you
2: have to be excellent if you're a minority. You yeah. have to be excellent. Tell me about
0: some of the projects Unicorn Island is working on.
2: Totally. I mean, we have a slate full of TV, film, all types of things. Actually, one that I'm super, super proud about that just recently released is called The Mindful Adventures of Unicorn Island. There's a kids' animation. Unicorn Island Productions, my company alongside Headspace, actually, -hmm. And it's so meaningful to me because essentially they're quick 10 minute episodes. And here's the thing they're for free. They're free, which is wild. We like free. We like, who doesn't like free? They're for free on YouTube. Each episode teaches kids one mindfulness exercise. And it's kind of like a love letter to younger Lily because in my adult life, meditation and mindfulness and mental health are so important. But admittedly, when I was younger, I knew nothing about this. Like it was Mm -hmm. never discussed in school or at home. And I'm just like, if kids could learn how to meditate and regulate their emotions, not even regulate, just like, know that feeling things is okay and how to deal with that and how to reconcile that, that would be amazing. It's basically a young Lily uh, learns how to meditate and through meditation gets transported into the magical world of Unicorn Island where she has all these imaginary friends and together they have to solve a problem with one mindfulness exercise. And it's like something I'm really, really proud of because when we think about creating content, let's be real, there's a lot of crap out there. There's a lot of stuff. These a lot days, of bad content out there. you watch mm-hmm. a show and you talk to someone else and they've never even heard of the show. There's just so mm-hmm. much stuff out there. And I'm like, if I'm going to create something, let it be intentional. Let it be for a reason. Let it be something that I think the world needs and can benefit from. And when I think about that, I think this show is a perfect example where it's like so many parents have messaged me being like, my child is obsessed with just like deep breathing now or like is Mm -hmm. obsessed with leading (laughs) meditations with the family now which is really, really cool. And the cast is majority South Asian, which is super cool because the show looks like the real world. It's a super diverse cast. Cal Penn's in it, Bhatma Lakshmi's in it, with Gersh in it. So I'm really proud of it. You got all the brothers and sisters. I, got, I called them all uh, up and I said, you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice.
0: <laughs> you had the family WhatsApp going. Yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. hit <laughs> him in the WhatsApps. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm curious how you sort of spot
2: and cultivate new talent. Mm, that's a great question. I am very at ad- and I'm just going to keep this 100 with you because I, I don't know how to be any other way. It is always my mission to try my best to make sure diverse voices are part of every project we do. Because of what I said, I want to make sure they're helming the creativity of these projects. Sometimes that's easy and sometimes it's very, very hard. And it's because of this idea that to be a showrunner, to be on this show, for someone XYZ streamer to buy this show, you need someone experienced at the helm. It is very hard to find very experienced, diverse people sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. And it's because of this idea of like, it's called like a prove-it-again bias. It happens with men and women in gender inequality studies as well. But this idea that certain groups of people have to prove themselves, whereas other groups of people get the benefit of the doubt. And I've seen that happen time and time again, where like there will be a a white show runner which maybe doesn't have that much experience but like for some reason, everyone trusts they can do this thing, you know? Yeah. And then there'll be a equally less experienced person of color where it's like, I don't know if they have the experience. Like, this is a really tough job. I've seen that happen yeah. a lot where it's like we keep giving the benefit of the doubt to the same people. I keep trying to create opportunities for people to get experience. Sometimes I win those battles. Sometimes I do not with the people that are buying these shows. But I'm going to keep goddamn trying. That is my answer is that I am actively always looking for writers and, and characters that I can give a chance and give some experience to. And so far, I'm pleased with our success rate. It's not perfect, but I'm pleased with it. If you want
0: a middle-aged half-brown woman for a low-stakes, quite boring reality TV
2: show, okay. I'm here. <laughs> wow. I mean, hey.
1: <laughs> that is a very specific project.
2: There's that an audience like for everything. There's an audience for everything.
1: <laughs> Do you want something? I, I think there needs to be a category of shows on a streaming service that just says shows that are good to watch while you're looking at your phone. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, that actually would be really good. That's a yeah. really good idea. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I
1: just re- I just resort to rewatching old like sitcoms and Real Housewives episodes. Yeah, it's reality and I TV for New me. stuff that I cannot pay attention to. So
2: here's a hot take, unpopular. Maybe it's because of my type anus, I'm not sure. I simply refuse. Like I feel very strongly about this. I do not do anything while I'm watching TV or movies. How do you get anything done? (laughs) If I miss even a sentence of what was was said, I will pause it and rewind it. Like, I need to hear everything that's said. I cannot be on my phone. I will not do anything. I just, like, love stories that much where I'm like, no, I missed it. Like, my friends know my biggest pet peeve. Like, if you really want to break my heart, you're going to make me miss the first five minutes of a movie in a theater. And I will be (laughs) devastated. I will be devastated by that. Like, I can't have that happen, so...
1: There's a certain category where I'm like, nothing else can happen. Like, if I'm watching, like, Severance or something like that, especially, Mm, like, I love sci-fi or, like, thrillers or stuff that's, like, really deep and weedy, do not talk, do not say anything. But this is why we need a category of shows that you don't have to pay attention to.
2: Floribama Shore. I used to have Game of Thrones parties, and the one rule Mm -hmm. was you cannot speak during the episode. Cannot talk. And people thought I was joking, and and they found out the hard way. I was like, (laughs) you cannot speak during the episode. <laughs> that's
0: really funny so one last question before we move on to games which is is there any content coming up that you want to preview Ooh, I don't
2: want to give away too much but one thing I will say is that I just actually co-wrote my first feature that I'm very proud of I think I already said this but I'll say it again yeah it was very outside of my comfort zone I'm part of the film as well I'm the lead of the film I co-wrote it it was a different muscle I exercised in my brain and it goes there Like, I'm all about empowering women and making stuff that shifts the culture of how girls and women are treated, and this does that. And I think the reaction is going to be a lot of people that are like, wow, this is, like, dope. And I think it is going to evoke some reactions that are like, oh, this is, like, slightly uncomfortable and slightly—I don't know, it deals with shame a lot, and it deals with, like, sexual stuff, and, you know— South Asians. So it's bound to it's bound to get evoke some reactions. <laughs> I like that. I like that.
0: Shame, sex, and South Asians. Yeah, there it is. That's, it's going to be my uh, autobiography. There. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah.
0: Let's move on to games. Let's move on to games. Let's do it. So let's
1: start. The first one we're going to do is a, a game we do at Fast Company here called Fast Cards. It's just real quick fire questions about work related issues and fast company topic related issues. So, so we need your hot quick, takes.
2: Hot takes. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, it's it's not deep issues. Yeah. It's very simple. So, um let's get started. Our first question. If you had to switch careers tomorrow, what would you choose?
2: So easy. Event planner. I'm so good at it. I love setting a table. <laughs> I love making charcuterie boards. I am actually already an event planner half. So like if I could set someone's table, if they said come over and set my table, I would be ecstatic.
1: You would Uber, you would like do Uber X. Correct. <laughs> At what price point of an Uber would Let you do Let me not just say this if someone table? said,
2: I need you to make me a charcuterie board, I would pay them to do it.
1: I mean, that's not usually the way event planning I know. works. You should get paid for that. And those but, are so expensive. maybe it's good you're doing what Cheese you're doing.
2: Cheese is expensive. This is oh, an yeah. investment. These are investments. You want to get a camembert? <laughs> and I wouldn't just bring basic honey. I would bring honeycomb. Like, I'm going to go oh, in. I'm going to go in on this. Yeah. Okay. You don't do anything by half measure. Correct.
1: I'm for that that goes with the type A personality. Yeah, for sure. I feel like a charcuterie board is the embody it is the go-to type A person.
0: Oh really like is it? Recipe. That makes a lot of sense. Can that I be honest? I feel like charcuterie boards are white people shit. I'm really not into them. What? I just this wow. is the hottest
2: take we've heard. I'm going to change my mind. Now
1: I'm really self-conscious cuz I Maybe love the ones record.
2: you have had, but I'm telling you there's a way to make them pop and a little spice, a little something. Um, okay, you I Feel can. like I know so many white girls who are like, "Oh yeah, I made a little charcuterie
0: board for myself for dinner." I'm like, "Girl, that is not a Wait, dinner." Wait, for dinner? Okay, that's yeah,
2: I don't need it for dinner.
1: Girl dinner, that's Girl the dinner. trend. Yeah, <laughs> Girl I dinner. We did that. Uh, now, <laughs> let's go to the next question. In 2023, work-life balance, has that been a myth or a reality for you?
2: Sometimes. My, here's my honest answer is I think people have a skewed perception of what work-life balance is. I think people think that means every day you do 50% work and 50% other stuff, and I don't think that's true. I think work-life balance comes in seasons. That means like you work really hard for the week and maybe you are off on the weekend. I got to shoot a show for a month, I'm going to work so hard on the month, and then I'm going to go on vacation for... For a week. I think it comes in seasons and I think there's this little bit of like delusion that is that it can happen every single day. Personally for me it cannot happen every single day.
1: No, I think that's absolutely right. I'm yeah. with you.
2: Well, actually it's just a myth for me, but that's fine. Yeah. I mean, we were
1: we work in we're journalists. We don't we run on cigarettes and whiskey.
2: That's are on their high horse a little bit. When they like see my career, they're like, oh my God, you must be so unhealthy if you work this many days. I'm like, yes, when I'm shooting a show, it is 15 hours a day. I wake up really early. I come home. I, I eat. I take a shower. I go to sleep. That is the nature of my job. Like Every industry is different. To have this one idea of what work-life balance looks like and then apply it to every industry is just not realistic.
1: And it's different for every person.
2: Totally. Yeah.
1: Next question. So Shein, the fast fashion company, has been in the news a lot. We did an episode last week on it. So this question, very simple. Sustainable fashion, important or not?
2: Of course important. Anything sustainable is important. I think we need to stop being, like, naive to the fact that the world is on fire. Like, it's very clearly on fire. There's a lot of issues, in fact. Climate, gender inequality, all these things. It's like, now is the time, folks, to start to actually know. Years ago was the time to start taking these things seriously. Right.
1: Yeah, I was going to say circa 1970. (laughs) Right.
2: It is absolutely important.
1: Next question. What's your pump up song before a big meeting or shoot? I'll throw that in there too.
2: Okay, I'll give you one better. I have a song, a go-to song. Anytime I am tired, I'm feeling like I don't have energy. If I want a song that just makes me happy without fail and just sing and dance and be energized. It's always one song. It is Down by Jay Sean. Oh my God, baby, are you down, 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 down? I just down, had him perform down. at my party too, and he performed it live, and it was everything I needed. But for some reason, I don't know if it's because I'm just waiting to rap Lil Wayne's part, and I'm like, here it comes. And I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna crush this, I'm gonna crush this. I know every word. I just, that song does something for me emotionally. I love what that. is he doing now? That song is old. He's singing. He's making, he actually has a new album coming up. Oh,
1: yeah. really? Yeah.
2: Right.
0: Is it flute music like Andre 3000? This <laughs> no, is it's like,
2: a, it's actually going back to his like South Asian roots a little bit. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I
0: remember there was a period where he was, like, always taking his shirt off.
2: Yeah, and I, nobody was mad at that, though. Nobody was mad at that.
0: <laughs>
1: now Jeremy Allen White's just taking <laughs> that mantle.
2: And no one's mad at that either. I'm fine with no, that, too. No, no mad. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because I'm pretty sure he lives out like, a street down from me, and I see him when I go on my walks every every morning almost, and I'm like... Nice. You can keep taking your shirt off. That's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you walk by him and you're like, I love you. There's been, like, multiple <laughs> occasions where I'm like, oh, there's Jeremy again. There's Jeremy again. <laughs> Yeah, you could have been his new girlfriend, but, Damn oh it. well. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you received this year?
2: Okay, I will quote my therapist like I often do. <laughs> my therapist and I are working on a theme for this year, and it is simple. It is just learning how to surrender and understanding that to surrender is not the same as giving up. In my brain, they were exactly the same, but they're not. One is about acceptance and one is about just giving up, and I'm learning to accept and surrender.
1: Okay, I love that we're hitting like real highs and real like you know real relatable stuff. We went from like climate change to uh, Jay Sean yep. songs back to mixed real bag. like.
0: I have
2: I have layers. I have layers.
0: Yeah. What is the worst office etiquette you have ever witnessed? The worst office etiquette. Ooh. We're talking about people warming up fish in the communal microwave. We are talking about,
1: I don't know, Amy Klobuchar throwing forks at people. I think that's pretty rough. No,
2: using, using a comb to <laughs> eat her salad.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
2: I don't know if this counts, but when I lived in Toronto, still one of my jobs was, I mean, quite possibly one of the worst jobs you could have. It was, and shout out to anyone that has this job because I know it's very tough. It was, I worked at a call center for a collections agency so i would call people to be like you owe money no one wants this phone call no one is nice to this person that calls but our boss was very verbally abusive (laughs) he would do this thing where if he was in a bad mood he would walk onto the floor and he'd be like everybody put your phones on mute and we'd have to like put people on hold and whatever and he would just yell at us for like two minutes, he'd be like, you guys are useless. You guys are wasting my money. And he'd be like going in deep for like two minutes a day. We'd go through this like verbal abuse by this boss. And they'd be like, all right, resume your calls. And then I'd be like, sorry for putting you on hold. Yes, so weird <laughs> credit card information. Like it was weird. It was deranged. Productive king. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let's move on to some would you rathers. Yikes, this is a dark one. Would you
0: rather be on the Titan submersible? Or would you rather be locked inside a self-driving car? You two are (laughs) deranged and dark. Listen,
2: listen. All jokes aside, I had nightmares about the Titan Submersible. I was like, that I can't even imagine. Even best case scenario being on that thing, I cannot imagine. So I'm going to have to go self-driving car. I think I'm with you.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you. Also, drowning seems bad.
1: Oh, God. Horrible.
0: Anyway, now, Lily, we have come up with some hypothetical scenarios based on current events from this year. And we'd love to get your take on the following. Okay. So this year, Montana, the state banned Mm -hmm. TikTok. If you could ban one app in one state or country, what would it be, where, and why?
2: I think it's already kind of happened, which I'm thrilled about. But I hate Twitter. I always hated Twitter. That's already kind of been changed now. It's now. Why have you always hated Twitter? I think it is the meanest hellscape of a place that exists on the internet. There is no accountability. Does it make you feel worse than Instagram? Because to me, Instagram makes me feel terrible. No, no. Let me tell you why. Twitter was based on mob mentality. To know that you could trend dragging someone is, like, not good for humanity. That you could literally see someone suffering and be like, I'm going to jump on this bag. That No other social platform really has that ability to be like, we're all going to drag this one person. Look, their name's at the top of your screen. Join us and drag And I just feel like there's such a lack of accountability on Twitter because you don't need to have a picture. It's You just kind of say something, you disappear. There's no conversation. I hated Twitter. Um, So I would say Twitter, America, it's already kind of happening. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever been dragged? (laughs) Oh, oh my God. Have I? I think you mean how many times have I been tracked. How did you deal with it? I cried. I cried and I go to I lots do the of therapy. But also I I stopped using Twitter like years ago. I've been on Twitter for like yeah. four years or something like that. What's your platform of choice? I do like Instagram the best. You're a millennial. Yeah. <laughs> same here. Same here. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, Instagram's kinda of the go to now. I try not to do Twitter anymore.
2: None of them are my absolute favorite things. None of them are particularly healthy. But if I had to choose one, it would be Instagram. Speaking of um, things
0: I personally want to stay away from, I want to zip through a few fashion trends that have returned or are returning from the aughts. And I want to get your take on um, basically love it or leave it.
2: Trucker hats. I like them. Really? Yeah. Okay. I love hats in general. It means I don't have to do my hair. That's fair. That's a good point. Body jewelry. I have... A belly button ring, so I feel like I'm biased. I feel like to each their own. I'm not mad at that. I thought about getting
0: a butt- belly button ring on my thirtieth birthday, and I was like, actually, that's, that's so a weird sad. birthday to get a belly it's button very ring. Very sad. Now, yeah, it's too. Old. You.
2: It's actually right when you're. Yeah, I say go for it. Do you embrace it, baby? <laughs> Capri pants. That's gonna be a hard no for me. Uh, that's a hard no for me. The length is just awkward and I have ashy ankles and it's a whole thing.
0: I too have ashy ankles. Wearing a tie with a t-shirt. Uh, t-shirt. I'm going to say
2: no to that one. That one's giving unnecessary. I feel like you should have <laughs> one of the other, casual or formal.
1: Yeah, but what if you're wearing a photographer's vest on top of that as well?
2: (laughs) Oh, and a fedora? (laughs) Then that changes things. So actually, this is where
0: I was going with this. What about structured vests? Do you remember a point in the 2000s when we were all wearing like slutty office wear to the club? Yes. I love a structured
2: (laughs) vest. I'm not mad at a structured vest. I love those. Dresses over jeans. Absolutely not. That needs to never come back again. Is that back? Don't tell me that's back. It's, it's back. It's yeah. bubbling
0: up. It's oh, bubbling up. Oh,
2: my God. No, that's a hard no. Cargo pants.
0: I own cargo pants, so that's a yes for me. <laughs> Remember the cargo pants that you, there was like a zipper at the knee so you could turn them into shorts? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and those were amazing. Multifunctional. Yeah. Who doesn't like that?
1: I get hot very easily during the day, so those were ideal for me.
0: I remember, like, going to visit my grandparents and being at the airport and being like, Mom, I don't need to carry on and, like, loading up my cargo pants with, like, my CD player or whatever.
1: Oh, that was great. Yeah, you did need cargo pants to hold that disc, man. Yeah,
0: facts. My last one, and I find this, I can't figure out where I land on this, low-rise jeans.
2: I have never felt more strongly about saying, hell no. I don't know why low-rise jeans <laughs> exist. They need to never come back. They were the bane of my existence. Nobody likes the way they feel. That needs to die forever. And die when you forever. sit
0: down and the sort of paranoia you feel 100%. when you sit down low What are you accomplishing? From- <laughs> nothing good comes of
2: low-rise jeans. Nothing.
0: This episode of Most Innovative Companies is brought to you by Verizon. The network you can rely on for your phone and for your home Internet. Find the plan that's right for you at Verizon.com. So rather than keeping tabs this week, we're going to do something different, which is now Lily's gone. I'm just going to play some games with Josh. Yeah. End of 2023. (laughs) End of 2023.
1: We're we're getting to the holidays and we all need a break.
0: (laughs) So I'm here to ask you this. Which reality TV show should George Santos appear on now?
1: Oh, Are we there's talking? so many good ideas. I mean, the uh, there's an obvious one that's kind of like chalk. It's Celebrity Big Brother. That seems like yeah. the most chalk answer. I personally think he would be best suited for the Peacock reality TV show called Traitors. Have you watched this? It's hosted by Alan Cumming.
0: I enjoyed it. It got a little confusing. It does get a little convoluted, <laughs> I'm but imagine, very
1: smart. <laughs> imagine inserting George Santos in that situation. That's Because it's all about lying, so it would be perfect.
0: But he'd be so good in literally any situation. He'd be so good on 90 Day Fiance. Yeah,
1: That would be good. I mean, I think maybe they should just build a reality TV show around him.
0: What would he sing if he was on The Masked Singer?
1: Oh, God. What's the sort of like quasi on the nose? I want him to sing like I Need a Hero by Bonnie Tyler. Oh, that would be good. I'm trying to think of like songs where it actually talks about like being a liar. Or You're a So Vain. Oh, You're So Vain would be good. It's, is it called Space Cowboy? the song? The oh, Joker. Space yeah. Cowboy. Boy. Uh, Some call mm, me the gangster, (laughs) and just replace it with all the things he's he's called himself. I like that. Did you watch SNL? Well, what would now be a couple weeks ago, where Bowen Yang? But I've
0: heard so much about it. Yeah,
1: there was (laughs) Bowen Yang did a version of Candle in the Wind called Scandal in the Wind as George Santos. It was it was good. good.
0: He wouldn't last on Survivor, but his no, but time the, the, on
1: screen would be memorable. Well, that's exactly why like Big Brother is the kind of like go-to thing. I would personally, if they ever bring back Super Secret Celebrity Drag Race, um, <laughs> you could do that one, although I don't think RuPaul mm-hmm. would ever let George Santos onto his set. I
0: don't. RuPaul supports fracking famously so that's true he's kind of a mystery so
1: drag race is an option especially if you want to spice some stunt casting could spice up that series bring him right to all stars and let's be
0: real he'd be so good on any housewife franchise
1: any housewife franchise would be great as like a friend of the franchise so it's just like he can float in and out because I feel like too much George Santos might get annoying annoying but if he just shows up and throws drinks on people (laughs) just amazing the most ideal housewives franchise he could end up on I mean obviously he's from New York so but he wouldn't fit in with this New York no cast. No, no no they're doing a friend of Ramona Singer though yes. would actually be on brand like that would, that would be OG New York Housewives <laughs> cast would be the go-to one
0: okay now we're moving on to another game it's a quick fire <laughs> round <laughs> Woo! and I want to ask you who would win in a fight in each of these scenarios <laughs> Okay. Yeah.
1: Is this oh I know what this is inspired by.
0: Musk versus Zuck. Oh, it's Zuckerberg, hands
1: down. Have you seen either of those two? And like Zuck's like low-key yoked.
0: I feel like Musk would fight dirty, though. Do you think Musk Zuck would? Wouldn't? You know that scene in Gladiator. Do you
1: see what Zuck did to the Winklevoss twins? You don't I think know, he would fight dirty? It's
0: true. No, he totally would. But do you remember that scene in Gladiator where Joaquin Phoenix like stabs Russell Crowe before he comes <laughs> yes. on? I feel like that would happen. That does know? make
1: sense. That that would be there.
0: <laughs> okay, grimace versus gritty.
1: Gritty. I mean, you want to talk about like fighting dirty? That man, man. I don't know if it's a gendered, but that
0: gritty has that the entity. spirit of. Eagles fans in him. Oh he has the God, spirit yeah. of Philly people.
1: Philly, Philly, yeah. People. The, <laughs> the Philly brother. Unless, like, unless, <laughs> like, unless Grimace, Grimace would have to be crafty and somehow trick uh, Gritty into drinking the Grimace shake in order to poison him.
0: Gritty is not that smart.
1: But Gritty's a brawler. Like, not a lot of intellect.
0: We should have a proxy fight where you're Grimace and um, Philly native <laughs> Max Uffberg is Gritty <laughs> in the
1: office. If we can get the costumes, I would do it.
0: Okay. Robert De Niro versus Al Pacino.
1: Is it young Robert De Niro? <laughs> Young, Al Pacino. Young, young, young. Ooh. Young.
0: Al Pacino. Listen. Uh, no, 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 no. De Niro, Sorry. De Niro is De Niro. strong. De Niro is. Like Raging Bull strong. Yeah. Al Pacino's crazy, though. Al Pacino That's is the, crazy. <laughs> That's art. He starts to like, Like, ah!
1: <laughs> no, it's definitely De Niro, though.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. Okay. Matt Reif versus the plastic surgeon <gasps> he got mad at on TikTok. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. I mean, just the plastics. I saw that come up. It's obviously not a plastic surgeon. I don't know if Matt Reif cut a, a chin implant, but if you, if you haven't heard about this Matt Reif thing, do a deep yeah. dive on it. It's, like, the most, like, distilled version of just, like, the everything that's wrong with the, the male comedians crying, like, cancel culture nonsense. So, wait.
0: I saw this, and I didn't fully understand it. Some plastic surgeon was like, I... Surgeon Matt Rice jaw, and he yeah. was like, "No, you
1: didn't." It was like this cryptic thing, but basically, because there's basically this theory that like Matt Rice got plastic surgery to Word. give him this like chiseled jaw. Line. We call it
0: looks maxing in my business. Yeah, there. The incel business.
1: <laughs> the incel business. That's your business.
0: <laughs> anyway, I
1: like that. That's great. But, but back Matt, Matt Rice, <laughs> it's almost certainly not his doctor because that would be a HIPAA violation right. in a lot of different ways. But this random. Person, maybe a doctor posted mm-hmm. this thing, like alluding to that he did Matt Reif's jaw surgery and Matt Reif engaged with it, just further strice affecting himself. Yeah, the full accounting of the Matt Reif timeline is just so stupid.
0: Makes you miss Dane Cook, am I right?
1: Okay, but that's I'm going off on a tangent about Matt Reif. We don't need to, <laughs> we don't need <laughs> all of that. There is a business. Fast Company reality mm-hmm. to some of these things because it's about how these platforms affect the creative output that we see. Matt Rife nominated for least creative uh, Least creative person. person. Least Award. creative person. <laughs> That's what I nominated for. But oh, I want to do one more game <laughs> okay. with you. Okay. And this is a play on the classic Fuck, Marry, Kill right. game. But we'll put an office-friendly approach to it and we're going to call it Temp, Hire, Fire. So Temp would be F. Fuck, you know. <laughs> Fire Death would be Mary, and fire would be kill. So first category, I'm calling this the tech bro category. Mm-hmm. So, temp higher fire. I keep wanting to say fuck Mary. I know. It's I know. fine. We can revert to it at yeah. some point. Temp <laughs> higher fire though. Sam
0: Altman, Sam Bankman-Fried, or Elon Musk. All right, we gotta kill Elon. Sorry. Yeah, it's an obvious one. <laughs> just Feels like that needs to happen. <laughs> I feel like maybe it's temp Sam Bankman-Fried. So that he doesn't do too much damage Well, in I really, the we need to learn
1: what the rules of his work release program are <laughs> first.
0: Fair. <laughs> um, and I guess a reluctant hire, Sam Altman. I mean. Sort of like the board of OpenAI yeah, did.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit there, yeah. The reluctant rehire The reluctant Sam. rehire, I would. Yeah. I would go the same way. Really? I would really? go the same way. Yeah, I feel it's. Yeah. Couldn't pay me to work with, which is how jobs work. You couldn't pay me to work <laughs> with Elon Musk. <laughs> oh, let's, my Let's God. move to our, one of our favorite okay. categories, reality TV mm-hmm. category. So, temp, hire, fire. Gary the Golden Bachelor, Tom Sandoval of um, Vanderpump, Vanderpump Rules. Vanderpump Rules. Oh, my God. I almost forgot that.
0: Scandoval. And Uche from Love is Blind. Okay. I'm going to hire Gary the Golden Bachelor because I believe in hiring older people. Also,
1: if you need a hot tub installed. and he
0: seems, he seems pretty, you know, that new Hollywood reporter expose about him. Yeah. Basically just implied that he's broke as shit. I still like him. He seems, so we're like, hiring nice him because we know he
1: needs the money. Gary
0: needs money. We'll hire you, <laughs> Gary. Um, and then Tom Sandoval and Uche were two of our biggest villains. I guess I would tempt Uche from Love is Blind because though he is manipulative, he is a lawyer. So that's true, yeah. he has some amount of competence. Tom Sandoval, just off-putting presence over him. Yeah, not our guy. That's a
1: hard fire. We're going <laughs> to move on. Hard. It's a no for me, dog. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on. I've got, I've got one more. Okay. Uh, and again, because, of course, because we have to come back to our, our favorite person in the our, world. Our man. Uh, we already know what he's getting. Temp, higher, fire. George Santos, Kevin McCarthy, or Mike Johnson, new Speaker of the House? I changed it. I know. I
0: know. Well, look, we're hiring George Santos. He's clearly the most fun colleague ever. Oh, yeah. I mean, he'd steal from your company. (laughs) He's gonna embezzle. Gonna embezzle.
1: Gonna be a great Christmas party, though.
0: But really fun at the Christmas party. Yeah. (laughs) I'm for it. He's the guy at the water cooler being like, did you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: Straight gossip. Hot goss. If you want the hot goss, go to George Santos. 40% of it is true. And now the battle between temping and firing the uh, former and now current Speaker
0: of the House. I think we got to fire the former Speaker of the House. I mean, he's already been fired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he could have won. I don't know if he could have won, but like he was close. You know, like yeah. he's not a closer. He's not a closer. No. <laughs> always be
1: closing. <laughs> always always be closing, Kevin McCarthy.
0: And I guess um, the current one, look. We'll give him a chance. He's he's an ideas guy. <laughs> no. He's got some big ideas, like the theme
1: park. Like the, the Noah's Ark theme park. Also, did you hear the Covenant Eyes app that he does with his son? Do you know this? No. It's an app that on your phone that monitors your like browsing history. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have a partner in it for accountability. Oh, so okay. him and his son are their accountability buddies.
0: They're watching porn together. That's what well, I... Yeah, it's
1: exactly it. It basically tells the other person if you've been, um, you know, watching porn or yeah. or on other why do you need scandalous an ac- sites. Why do you
0: need an accountability buddy for that? Like I don't know. You know what but I mean? if you're going like- to pick
1: someone, maybe not a blood relative... <laughs>
0: so dark.
1: It's, yeah, it's a lot. I did hear about I'm this. I'm going to fire Mike Johnson. You're going to fire Mike Johnson? I'm going to temp Kevin McCarthy.
0: <laughs> I but I feel like Mike Johnson would not be in our office for long, but would no. flame out in the craziest way.
1: Which I don't would know. be kind of fun, but Kevin McCarthy already did that, so I I know he's gonna flame out in a spectacular way. Yeah, but like life. Mike
0: Johnson would like watch porn at work or something. <laughs> He'd be like dammit. no.
1: <laughs> oh geez, yeah, that's that's real dark. But all that really matters is that George Santos contracts waiting, buddy, <laughs> an open invitation to come on this podcast Please. after you do Z way. No. After you do uh, come to the- us
0: beforehand. <laughs> yes. Our show is produced by Avery Miles and Blake Odom, mix and sound designed by Nicholas Torres, and our executive producer is Josh Christensen. Remember again to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll see you next week.